podcast, you can really develop a subject. And as well, because I know we're speaking to a lot of practitioners out there, you can also talk about a lot of subjects you can't discuss in other places. And I think that's something that's important as well, because there's been, you know, this platform won't let you and that platform won't let you. Right now, podcasting is still kind of this open format where you can talk. This is Getting to Yes, the podcast with leaders from all walks of life, exploring their successes, mistakes, and lessons learned in influence and persuasion. Getting others to say yes, and then taking an insight or two to help them achieve even greater things. A recurring theme on the podcast is how to get your message out in a more effective way. And there's two events in the last 25 years that have radically transformed people's ability to reach mainstream audiences without having to go to the traditional gatekeepers of television, radio, and newspapers. Now, the first one was the invention of the internet, and the second one is the rise of podcasting, essentially replacing radio as an information source. And it's with great pleasure to welcome today's guest, my dear friend, Jeremy Ryan Slate. We actually met back in 2015, I believe, at a podcasting event, around which time Jeremy started his Create Your Own Life podcast, which studies the highest performers in the world. And his podcast was named the number one podcast to listen to by Inc. Magazine in 2019, as well as Top 40 Under 40 by Podcast Magazine in 2022. Jeremy is also the best-selling author of Unremarkable to Extraordinary, and along with his wife, he co-founded Command Your Brand, a new media public relation agency designed to help entrepreneurs share the message by appearing as guests and podcasts. So, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so stoked we like finally did this, man. Yeah. Like, it's why been... haven't you had a podcast? Like, this is this is so needed. I know. And I know back in 2015, podcasting was very new, but you recognized that trend right away and moved into it. Let's start by talking about the power of podcasting and feel free to share some of the less appreciated factoids. Well, I think the wild thing about it, man, is my brain always goes to like branding and positioning, like who you're seeing, you know, either with or against, because uh, there's a really great book that I recommend your audience if they, have, if they haven't read it already. It's by uh, Jack Trout and Al Reese, and it's called Positioning the Battle for Your Mind. And positioning just is a kind of a simple thing for people Think of the worst example out there is we're the Uber of blank, right? People know what Uber is, so they associate with you with that, so they see what it is for that industry. Podcasting, you're able to grab positioning by either guests you're interviewing, shows you're on, places you're seeing, publications you're seeing because of those interviews. So it really helps you to build your brand through kind of a, a positioning aspect. The other part about it, too, is you can't really get a long-form conversation anywhere than you can in the media world didn't count on a podcast. I was listening to, uh, recently Joe Rogan had Tulsi Gabbard on. They were talking about like, you know, why are podcasts so great? Cause we can get into deep subjects where we it's hours and we really dive into something. We look at all the nuanced things and he goes, you look at any television interview, five minutes, eight minutes, there's four people on a split screen. They kind of yell at each other a little bit and you don't know what will happen. Podcast, you can really develop a subject and as well, cause I know we're speaking to a lot of practitioners out there. You can also talk about a lot of subjects you can't discuss in other places. And I think that's something that's important as well, because there's been, you know, this platform won't let you and that platform won't let you. Right now, podcasting is still kind of this open format where you can talk. And 
there's a new kind of wave behind it as well. So Adam Curry is the guy that invented podcasting back in 2004. So he's actually been working on a new platform called Podcasting 2.0, and it's actually podcasting built on the blockchain to really protect it from any of these platforms deplatforming people. So there's a lot of really cool aspects to, to podcasting and uh, ones that continue to make me excited every day. Yeah, from my personal experience, hindsight is 2020. You see all the great influencers they all have two things. They have a podcast and they have a book. And oftentimes the book emanated from the podcast and the experiences there. If you wanted to model success, there's your way. Podcasts are a great reason to email your mailing list. You know, if you're stuck, it's like, what am I emailing my folks on my email list this week? Well, if you had a podcast, you could email that. So why don't we loop back to 2015 and how did you decide to go deep on podcasting of all the things that you could have done and, and then starting your own PR agency? Well, I was kind of forced into it, Uli. Like, what, what else do you want me to say, man? I've been a podcast super nerd, as I mentioned, since like the early 2000s. I was a big fan of Adam Curry, The Daily Source Code, his other podcast, The No Agenda Show. And I got my master's degree in ancient history in 2011, came out into a really bad economy, worked painting houses for 7 a.m. until... 6 p.m. every night, and then I managed the gym 6 p.m. to closing. So I was working some really long hours. I finally ended up working at a high school teaching, which, number one, when you have a master's degree, that's not really where you plan to like spend your life. You're like hoping to get your PhD and end up at the college level or something like that, but isn't what happened for me. And my mom ended up having a really bad stroke in 2012, and it made me look at a lot of what I was doing in my life. And I'm like, do I really want to do this the rest of my life? Because I was miserable. I wasn't used to smartphones being a thing because nobody had a phone when I was in school. So like my day was like, how angry can these kids get me and get me on YouTube? Like that was my day every day. So like you can imagine what that, the toll that takes on you. So I eventually tried everything you could think of to get out of that position. I left that position in 2014 and then I ended up doing network marketing for a bit. I did online marketing for a bit. I told my, taught myself how to code. I went to China and learned how to private label products and I was selling them on Amazon. Like nothing really hit for me. So in 2015, I started this podcast, The Create Your Own Life Show, because literally I just wanted to learn from people it was a really, really big thing that I wanted to do. I really didn't have, you know, this is going to be a business. I'm going to do this thing with it. I was working at a friend's marketing agency at that point in time, building websites. I had taught myself HTML and CSS. So I was coding websites and I had started this podcast really just as a hobby. And I had this really weird mindset about it initially too, because I'm like, all right, I can't make money. I'm going to refuse to make money. This is my art. I can't make money. So my first six months, like I pushed away every business idea, every advertising opportunity, everything there may be. And eventually I got to a point of like, well, how do I do this full time? And I started looking at where people were saying, help me with this, help me with that, help me with this. And the first version of what we did was a company called Slate Media Productions where we did a done-for-you podcast. And I wasn't really smart about it really because we did your social media, we built your website, we booked your guest, we edited your show, we published your show, we did everything. And I remember like running the numbers and I'm like, I could be profitable if I'm charging like $20,000 a month. And I sat down with that first client and he's like, hmm, $20,000 a month, I'll give you $1,500. And I'm like, I'm in, great. So I made $1,500 a month. I was not profitable. I was not doing well. But one of the things that we did for all of our clients is we got them on podcasts first to launch their new show. And we realized that had way more effect than just running a podcast for somebody. So we focused on that since 2016 and we've been building Command Your Brand ever since. Yeah, no, this is, I think, as you said, 
podcast is the only long-form video content or content platform these days. People don't even spend 20 minutes reading a blog post. So for somebody to create a habit, listening to podcasts and build a relationship with the host is really powerful for them to see you as the expert. And I think, you know, what you probably experience with interviewing really high-level people, A-listers on your shows. I, I don't know, how many episodes have you been up to now? We're closing in 1,100. I don't remember the exact number, but I think we're like at 1,000 and something. We're closing in 1,100. And I think the interesting thing to go back to those guests is the access you get to people, which is really, really interesting because you don't typically get access if you don't have a podcast. So that's given me access to a lot of influencers I've wanted to talk to, a lot of individuals I've wanted to connect with, people I've interviewed for the book that I've written. But without having a podcast or having a platform you can promote people on, you don't get that level of access. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously step one could be launching your own podcast and getting your brand out there. But if we're talking more tactical about getting on other people's podcasts, what do people have to know? Because ultimately you know, that is exposing you to massive new audiences in a way that you know you probably couldn't afford even with paid media, let alone organic social media, where you're trying to do it all yourself. Well, it's interesting because I think when you look at it, podcasting is essentially a PR action, right? It's a public relations action for people getting you to know you, like you, and trust you. But there are some marketing actions you can tie in, which you can't say about a lot of platforms, whether it be the, the thing you're giving away and the funnel that brings them into. So there's a lot of really interesting things you can do with it where you can't really do that with other platforms. You're creating trust, you're networking with hosts, you're promoting to an audience, and you may get a small percentage of people that opt in for something. So it actually can really accomplish a lot of your public relations and marketing plan, which to me is, is pretty interesting. Let's go into the guesting expert. So when you're looking at that, I think there's a couple things you have to think about. Number one, niche is vital. There's so many people that they think their audience is everyone, and you're going to fail right out of the gate from that because you haven't decided, you know, what's your avatar look like? What do they care about? What don't they care about? What matters to them? What life experiences they have? When you don't go granular enough, you're going to put yourself in trouble. But it's a balance because you can go way too granular. Right. And you could be like, well, my audience doesn't look like that, doesn't look like that, doesn't look like that. Well, there's like three podcasts for you then. So good luck. So you have to get granular enough till you can really target, but not too granular where you get too small. And when you're looking at shows, it also depends on how much media you have, because one of the most important things to understand for a host is, can you talk in an interview? Can you talk on video? Those things are really important. So if you don't have a ton of media, the first thing you should be looking at is smaller podcasts. And those are shows that have been around for under six months, and maybe they have a review number that's like lower than 25 or something like that. Those are going to be much easier shows to get on, kind of get your feet wet, and get a little bit better at it as a guest. And that's kind of part one. From there, once you have 10 or 15 of those under your belt and you feel like you can really kind of deliver a story, you want to start looking at what are other shows I can look at? Because those early ones, they aren't going to take a heck of a lot of strategy to get on small podcasts. It doesn't take a lot. You can literally just send them an email, say, I'd like to help your audience with X, Y, and Z. They're probably going to say, great. Now, the podcasts that are actually going to help your business are the ones that are going to be a little bit harder to get on, but you have to have that base first, or you're not going to be able to get on those podcasts you want to get on. So from there, you want to take a look at, number one, the targeting. Number two, how can I get in front of the person that runs this show? So it's either a host or, as you get larger, a producer. So they have to learn, how do I get in touch with those contacts? There's a couple different ways you can do that. 
one tool we've used for years is called hunter.io. And I'm sure you've used that one, Uli, because you can see like emails that exist to different websites and things like that. Another tool, which is great, is called Listen Notes. And Listen Notes, you can put in any podcast and see, you know, what are team information for those different podcasts and things like that. You know, who's the producer? Who runs the show? Who's the host? Because you want to talk to the right person. You never want to reach out to an info at email or a hello at email, something like that, the catch-all. So you want to find first who's the person. If you want to be even more successful when you're doing this yourself, start engaging with them on whatever social media platform they prefer. Then worry about the pitch. Because number one, you're relevant. Number two, they're the right person. And then you can come with a pitch. When you're pitching, frankly, as much as people complain about it, I still find email to be the most, uh, most successful. But you do want to have some sort of open tracking. So if you're doing a lot of cold emailing for, for shows, there's a couple different tools you should be using. One is uh, warm-up inbox. Warm-up inbox is something that helps with your spam score so you can get more inboxes. The second thing is something called banana tag. Banana tag lets you see who's opening your email, how long they opened it, how many times they opened it. Those things are really important. So once you've got those tools down, your pitch should concentrate on the subject line is going to be really important. As crazy as it is, you're going to have a better open rate if you have the RE colon in the subject line because people will say, oh, I've spoken to this person before, even if I haven't. You'd be surprised. It works a lot. From there, I find questions that are very short and to the point work as a good subject line because... People are like, oh, I want to answer that question. So they open the email or something short like, I can't believe they said blah. Well, what did they say? Okay, let me open this email. Something that's going to get somebody to open the email is vital. From there, you want to talk about what can you teach somebody's audience? What's in it for them? Not what's in it for you. Not do you have, what do you have to sell or whatever it may be. When you can focus on that, you're going to have more success. And you always close with, if you think I'm a fit, how would be the best way for us to do something around this? This is really great tactical information. And, you know, I think the first thing everyone should understand that, you know, getting on other people's platforms, you know, it's a trust factor. They have to trust yeah. that you deliver the goods, that you are good, that ultimately their brain, the producer's brain thinks, is this person going to make me look stupid? Is this going to be a weird experience? Because if so, your chances of getting a yes is much lower. And this is how it ties back into the show's concept, getting to yes. You have to understand how people's brain work in order to influence their propensity to say yes. So understanding what would make a producer or a podcast show host say yes is so critical to get your pitches actually attended to and to get on the show. You know, if you're not aware of what's in it for them, then it all is about the podcast host and helping their audience become smarter and learn something. You want the podcast host to feel, wow, this was an amazing guest that delivered amazing value for my audience. I'm going to be looking good because of my podcast guest. And I think too, like Uli, when people are looking at the right shows, they get so stuck on like those stupid charts in like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or one of those or CastBox. And they're like, oh, this show is ranked blah, blah. A lot of those charts, like Apple Podcasts is a little neurotic. It changes every 12 hours. So like they don't really matter that much and some and they don't measure traffic. They really measure subscriber numbers and ratio to your total growth. So like you shouldn't really be looking at those. Like if you're looking at, because vi viability of show is important, but once again, the biggest show is important. So the tool that I really like for that is something called Refonic. And you can actually see, based on like hundreds of data points, the estimated traffic of a podcast so that you know like, okay, this is the right show for me to be talking to within the right niche. And I think 
you know, I don't know if it was you, but I was recently at an event and we talked podcasting. And one of the things is just looking at, is this person regularly posting podcast episodes? You know, if they have gone silent for the last six months, probably not a good indicator. If they're posting three episodes and then they go silent for six months, also not a serious podcaster. And the reason for this is obviously that audiences, they can build traction with that host because it's so sporadic. For me, another good indicator is just looking at are they consistent with their shows? How long have they been around? And that gives me a good indication should I be on that podcast or not? Well, and it's a balancing act too, right? Because you want to have quality con content versus quality content, quality content versus too much content as well. Because I know even for myself, when I was running five episodes a week, it was too many. So the episodes weren't as good. So you want to look at like, okay, are they publishing consistently, but do they have enough quality content, right? Because I think that's really important as well. Good. So now that we have down how you actually find a podcast host or a podcast that you may want to approach, do you have any suggestions for being an amazing podcast guest? You know, what can a guest do that really will increase the chances that this relationship turns into something else? You know, as you said, for you, you got connections, you build relationships with all these influences. I know you've been a keynote speaker at conferences as far as I think China or somewhere in Asia. So, you know, how do these things come about? What do you have to do in the podcast episode itself to stack the deck in your favor? You know, what's interesting, Uli, is I feel like over the years, we've come up with so many more methodologies and ways you're going to do it. And as crazy as it sounds, it actually comes down to being real, being there and communicating. I find so often the guests that have the worst experience are the ones that try to show up and be an infomercial. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like they show up and they're like, for only $19.95, you can get my blah, blah, blah program. Like, and then they're like, well, I'm getting no results from podcasting. It's like, well, because you suck. Like to me, like you have to be there, be willing to communicate, speak in story. And frankly, like what you do before an interview really matters. When you get on, I didn't really do this with you because you already kind of had a predetermined way you wanted to go and you gave me the format and everything else. But one of the things I'll do before an interview, it's like, hey, you know, what can I do to help your audience today? Like, what's the most important thing? And then as a guest, your job is to then talk about what you want to talk about through the eyes that that person wants to hear it from, if that makes sense. Because when you show up and you teach in the right way and you teach that audience in the right, right way, that really matters. And- I think that people have so much focus on like, well, in my book or on in my program or just be there, communicate, tell everything and don't be somebody that shows up scarce and you're going to get the most out of it. Now, a good call to action is really important and how you sell at the end of an interview. We tell, them to do, we tell people to do what we call a story pitch or a purpose pitch. You get to the end of an interview and it's we've talked so much about podcasting today. I've told you how many years I've struggled with it. I don't want other people to do that. So I actually put together a really great piece for your audience. It's called the blah, 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 blah. You can get it at blah, blah, blah.com. That's actually really important. And we find as well, when you're giving away to call to action, it shouldn't be your website.com slash blank. It should actually just be a vanity URL because what happens is you can switch out offers. Maybe somebody hears this two years from now and you can put in a new offer or maybe um, you have a new campaign going. So it's still going to be relevant because people want to check you out, but you can load your new offer in there when the time comes. So these are things you should be thinking about when you're looking at, okay, be there, communicate, be real, talk about what the host wants to talk about, but have a solid call to action that brings in the purpose at the end. 
Yeah, this is just something that Ryan Corral, one of our previous podcast guests, talked about the power of stories in inside video. And obviously that applies to podcasts as well. And I'll be sure to ask you for your story CTA at the end of this show so listeners can actually see how this flows. We're more interested now switching gears a little bit and talk about the PR agency that you and your wife, Brielle, have co-founded, as you said, in, in 2016, you realize that just getting onto podcasts is so powerful and it is a lot of legwork. You know, there's a lot of connections that you need to build and that sometimes it's just easier if somebody already has built a connection and can facilitate that process. So talk me through sort of the mechanics of what would an influencer or a person or an entrepreneur do if they wanted to get on, let's say, 24 podcasts in a given year? So we really see ourselves not just as people connecting people to podcasts, but we really see us as, as people that are helping to further the voice of a founder, CEO, um, a practitioner to their audience. And I think that's the really important thing, because if you look at it, like some of the most important things we've experienced through history, whether it's beginning of war, ends of war, in economic hardship. They've been somebody talking directly to the people, whether it's a leader, a president, a prime minister, whatever it may be. And that's what I see us as doing. We're helping people with powerful messages to speak directly to the people that need to hear them. So when somebody's going to work with us, we want to get down, you know, what should you be teaching? How should you be teaching it? How can you drop the stupid infomercial crap? Because you're not going to get anything out of if you do that. What positioning should you be getting? Who are you in terms of like, what are you against and what are you for? Like, we really want to get clear on that because if those things aren't down, if you aren't trained on what things are the best things to do before and after an interview and are going to get the most out of it. So we really want to work with our clients and their story first. And then we're looking at what are the right podcasts for you? What are the right hosts for you? And we teach them to think about it in a different way than a lot of people think of podcasts. Like, okay, so if I get in front of this many people, this many people opt in, this many people buy my offer, and that's not the way you should be looking at it. There's actually two audiences for every podcast you're on. There's the host you're sitting down with, which may be a great business partner for you in the future, whether it's an event, whether it's a speaking engagement, whether it's potential JV in the future. And the other audience is the, the audience you're there talking to. So you want to think about it in that way. Like, how can I figure out something that's going to benefit me for both, with both audiences? That's something we teach our clients as well. And then, as you mentioned, we our campaigns are usually a year, and we're helping our clients through that year to appear on 24 podcasts and build their brand in that way. So do they then get coaching, you know, as, as they get on a podcast that you and your team are listening in and saying, hey, you did this, you know, this one is should be going better. What kind of coaching do people get throughout that entire year? So we're usually, we have some upfront coaching where we have three different coaching calls that are going on before they're on a podcast. Then they actually get interviewed by me and our company show, which allows them to get some feedback. And then one of the things we're actually doing, because we can't listen to every single interview a client's doing, it's just not physically possible, is we're serving hosts after every single show. And we have a scale that we use for that. And we're serving clients after every single show. Because then if we hear from a host, well... Your client was great, but was lacking this. Well, we can actually talk to the client about that. So we've tried to figure out ways to build different systems around how can we improve because at the same time, we just can't listen to every single interview a client does. Yeah, awesome, awesome. What I really appreciate you sharing is that there is a science behind this that, yes, podcasting is a $1 billion or more opportunity. It has so many benefits. I personally wish I had started podcasting four years ago, but I think you have to have you know your story aligned you have to know what you want to communicate who you want to target etc so if you're fuzzy on this 
it's probably not the right time to start a podcast. And yet here you can help people at whatever stage they're in, help them figure this out and then dial this in. So we always end the story with a question. What was the biggest no you've ever gotten that turned into a blessing in disguise? So I met my wife through Facebook in 2009. And at that point in time, I was very into cars, Volkswagens, actually. I souped up Volkswagens. I don't know what people are obsessed with that other than me. So my profile picture on Facebook was a car, and she deleted my Facebook friend request. We're now married, but that was the biggest no that eventually became a yes, and we have two kids and everything else. But she declined my friend request Yeah, okay. because I was a car. How long did it take you to get over this, or what was your comeback from that? My comeback from that was actually going through a friend that knew her and trying to get introduced to her that way. And interestingly enough, he started talking to each of us, um, you know, about the other person. And eventually he got in the way and wouldn't introduce us. And then because it turned out he liked her, but she got interested enough that she wanted to actually meet me. Okay. And find out that I wasn't a Volkswagen. Awesome. Awesome. How can people find out more about you and command your brand and uh, maybe even hook up with you and Brielle? Well, as, as I mentioned, you know, I think podcasting really is the way that people can speak directly to their audience. You know, it's as in times of trouble and whatever it may be, things have come directly from a founder or a president, whoever it may be. I've struggled through so many damn things over the years that I don't want people to really mess up where I've messed up. So we actually put together a really great white paper for your audience called The Seven Reasons You're Not Getting Featured in Your Favorite Podcast. And if they actually head over to crushitonpodcast.com, they can grab that now and they can see how they can start crushing it on podcasts uh, on their own effort. And eventually, if they need some help, hey, we're here. Yeah, we'll put all of this into the show notes along with all the other ways where you can reach Jeremy Ryan Slate. Jeremy, always a pleasure connecting and exchanging ideas about running an agency, becoming more persuasive, but really appreciated having you on the show. And thanks so much. Hey, thank you so much for having me today, man. I, I hope we really put some stuff out there that's going to help your audience. Oh, absolutely. Thanks again. I trust this episode was inspiring and that you'll join me for a new episode each and every week. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you are listening. And feel free to share it with colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Uli Iselo. See you next week. Bye.